millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Leighton Hewitt, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Great Britain are Davis Cup by BNP Paribas champions. The last time we were able to say that, King Edward VIII was abdicating. The BBC, which is starting to roll out television broadcasts on a regular basis, and World War II was still three years away. Fred Perry was the man in 1936, and as so often has been the case, Andy Murray has followed in dear old Fred's footsteps to bring the trophy back to Britain. My name is David Law. You're listening to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, supported by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world. On this edition of the show, we'll hear from Eurosport commentator Jeremy Bates, the man who gave Murray his Davis Cup by BNP Paribas debut in 2005. And we're joined from The Telegraph by The Telegraph's tennis correspondent, Simon Briggs. Simon, who would ever have thought it? (laughs) <laughs> I didn't think uh, it was going to be a story that ended this way when I remember going down to, t- to Eastbourne for GB versus Turkey and Tuna Altuna taking on um, James Ward uh, and that sort of that, that seagull-centric uh, park down there with Leon just feeling his way into the job. I mean, uh, it's, isn't it, it's broken all records, hasn't it? I think it's the fastest rise up the divisions. Uh, it's ended with Andy recording 11 and 11 and 0 record in live rubbers in this campaign which is unprecedented nobody's done that before not even McEnroe who's got close but played in some dead rubbers in 82 not even Lubacic who lost his 12th match in in 2005 it's it's just mind blowing and that seagull story from Eastbourne, it kind of just sweetens the whole thing, doesn't it? Because I was there as well. And, you know, there was something of the gallows humour about us all at the time, wasn't there? Well, I think we enjoyed that um, a lot over the last week. The, the build-up featured some great stuff from the BBC's podcast team on the Wilderness Years. I did that piece as well. Some um, raunchy stories from Odessa and the brothel that the team were having to change in out there. Uh, the whole thing is so colourful. I mean... It's just a, a unique event, and it, people in the UK have maybe lost touch with it up until this season because we were lowly, weren't we? We've been lowly mostly since the, the, the 70s, despite maybe that one high-profile tie in 99. We hadn't been contending, and so it's drifted a little bit out of focus, and when you actually come back and, 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 and revel in it, you see what an amazing and, and, and eccentric and, and stylish and strange tournament it is. It certainly is, and it's uh, some journey. Now, Andy Murray came out today in the position he's been in basically all year in the Davis Cup. 2-1 up, doubles job done, 
but he had to produce on the singles court in that fourth rubber and boy he did I mean it wasn't plain sailing David Goffin actually put in a really good performance I thought but Andy Murray was too much for him yeah I thought Goffin played to his maximum uh, inspired by what has to be said is a phenomenally loud and, and very um, resilient crowd because they, they, they kept on cheering for him right until the last ball was hit <laughs> favourite moment of the match has got to be that moment when they just they made a, a 30 second wall of noise midway through the second set he'd held for 4-3 so Andy stood there waited for the noise to die, die down he stepped up to the baseline and he served ace service winner ace ace and that, that is going to be in my top 10 Andy Murray moments for sure yeah there's not much answer to that really is there for an opponent and you know I, I think we we saw even a new resolve and resilience about Andy Murray today almost like a Novak Djokovic type of resilience out there there wasn't the level of ups and downs that we we often see in his matches I heard a Belgian fan shout out aye Djokovic at one point I'm not quite sure what I interpret from that but I but I interpreted it the same way as you and I just put it in my online match report saying you know it, it was it was a true reflection of a guy who was playing like Djokovic now I didn't catch all the post-match interviews because they go around various broadcasts and somebody said to me that Andy had come off court and said I need to learn from the way I played today because I didn't give him a single easy point he, he, he was totally focused he probably played one slightly shaky game early in the third but it wasn't as if he lost that game even it was it was a, a genuine Goffin break so you know Andy good as he is he knows that he still has, can improve his his um, consistency of focus on the court and with the pressure and the expectation he was carrying for his nation and for his whole team, when you, I mean, you know, amateur sportsmen could even experience that, you know, in their, in their own very low level. When you're playing for a team, you find more in yourself, and he did find more in himself in terms of focus, and he thinks he'll be able to take that into next season. Reaction-wise, when he hit that glorious backhand lob, and it was perfect, I, I was standing behind Russell Fuller, the BBC Five Live tennis correspondent, as he was commentating on that point, and I'd done the second set of the match, and it was just set up perfectly he was getting pulled pillar to post wasn't he in the rally Mm. and then suddenly you saw that opportunity and it was like time stopped as that ball left his racket strings but his reaction he knew that was going to be a winner he was celebrating while the ball was still in the air and then he collapsed to the ground in a way that we've never seen before from Andy Murray you know when he won the US Open he stood there in what looked like shock he was just stuck to the ground and staring. When he won Wimbledon, he was roaring in the direction of the press box, I seem to remember. This time, it, he was just overcome. Yeah, well, I, for one thing, the journey is so long, isn't it? I mean, it starts in, in early February in Glasgow against the USA. So you've got a whole year. Things only started to open up um, during the French match when we saw that Canada... Um, were going out and Serbia were going out I think that was the moment when we thought hello something could happen here um, so that whole uh, build up means that you know he's been thinking about this moment for, for longer than he would ever have thought about a moment before but also it probably will be as big a boost as any of his slam victories and I think every player who's won the Davis Cup has tended to have a fantastic season next year it's one very selfish reason why I'm very happy about this because as a tennis correspondent I suspect he's going to play even better in Australia than than would have been the case he's he's had an interesting year because he hasn't won a slam uh, but he's he's posted his most wins he's ever posted he's finished the highest rank he'd ever finished now he's also got a big old pot the biggest pot in tennis to put on his mantelpiece 
And that just means that he can look back and say, that was an amazing year. And for a player to be able to do that, I think that'll give him wings going into Melbourne. That's certainly what happened to Novak Djokovic. We'll speak about that a little bit more in a moment. But first of all, let's hear from the man that first picked Andy Murray as part of the Davis Cup team when he was just a teenager, Jeremy Bates. It's it's fantastic, really, because you know when I picked him as a junior when he was um, 18 in his, his very first match against uh, Israel in Tel Aviv, and it was a, a tough tie. And you know, sure, he had potential. He's got class. He's got ability. He had all these things, but you never know how good he's going to be at the end of the day. And and now you're looking at somebody who was, you know, is two in the world, multiple Grand Slam champion culminating in the Davis Cup today and, it, and it's just uh, it's a, a pleasure to watch it's a pleasure to be part of British tennis what was he like on that first Davis Cup trip when he was a teenager I remember he played doubles didn't he was it alongside David Sherwood and I seem to remember him hitting a clean winner on return and the first point of the match uh, you've got a great memory because that shot stands out in my mind as well I mean absolutely unbelievable and uh, we they played against Jonathan Ehrlich Andy Ram who at the time were a top five doubles team so it's Andy's debut, David Sherwood's debut. Um, Greg was playing singles. Um, and we were one all after the first day. And uh, it, it seemed right to put him in the team. And, yeah, I mean, he, he, you would never know that it, it was, he was that age and you would never have known that, um, you know, he was still a junior at the time. And, and also for David Sherwood, I mean, the two of them played you know, a lights-out match against uh, Ehrlich and Ram. And I, I also remember at one point when uh, there was a call that sort of went the wrong way and I remember Andy going up to the umpire and he was talking to the umpire about it and, and you know, sort of debating the point and was, and was standing on the first step of the umpire's chair. I, I thought for a minute he was going to haul him out or something. I don't know. I just had to try and calm down the situation. But it was uh, they won that match 7-6 in the fourth set and it was astonishing. What was he like as an individual on that trip? Because, I mean, you know, that, that's, that's 10 years ago. It's, it's a long time. Um, he was very respectful, uh, respectful of the team, respectful of the competition. Um, he worked hard during the course of the week and he contributed like every other uh, team member. He, was, uh, he showed a lot of maturity. I mean, you, you wouldn't have known that, that he was the age that he was and uh, he didn't, didn't stand out from that regard I mean obviously Greg was playing number one singles um, Greg, Greg led very well and, uh, and Greg was such a positive character I mean he, he really, uh, Tim had retired at that time so it was, it was very much the, the Greg show if you like and, and, uh, and, he, and he was excellent in, because he's always trying to guide and cajole and help the younger players and everyone else who was in the team and, and Andy, was, uh, Andy was brilliant and he's moved on from there. Obviously, we know the heights he's, he's produced in the Grand Slams. Just, I mean, somebody who's played Davis Cup and seen teams and been in charge of teams, just put into perspective what he's achieved this year to, to not only guide or help Great Britain to the final, Andy Murray, but to, to win all three rubbers, one with his brother, in the final... I think only John McEnroe and players of that ilk have done that before. Yeah, McEnroe did it in, I think, 82. Willander did it in 83. And um, I, I mean, it doesn't need any introduction. It's, uh, it's an astonishing uh, performance, really. I mean, because every, every tie presents a new challenge, different types of players. At no point has his level dropped. At no point has he, has he sort of... I mean, he's been pushed. He's had some very, very tough matches. But if you look at the score lines, they all look you know, pretty one-sided and pretty convincing. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. But they've been far from it. I think it's taken a huge emotional drain on him as well and a a mental effort because he knows... He knows he has to deliver the three points, or certainly the two points, possibly the three points, you know, and it is a team effort. I get that entirely. But but if Murray doesn't win two singles, there's no conversation to be had, you know, probably playing in the world group with the calibre of the teams they've played against. So, you know, I, I think the, the way he's responded to that, but it, to me, what it just shows is that when he sets his mind to something and he's determined to do it, I mean, that shows you why he wins the slams, why he's Olympic champion, you know, why they've now won the Davis Cup, because he set his mind to it. And then nothing is going to deter him off that path. And you can see that from the moment he walks out on the court today, starting that first game. I mean, just the look on his face, the intent, the purpose. There's only one goal in mind, and that's to win. And you can't buy that quality. Just a word on the captain. Leon Smith took over five years ago. He had a tie in Eastbourne when Britain stood on the brink of Division 4 of the Davis Cup. You're Africa Zone 3. And here they are in the final, having won the Davis Cup. A word on him. Well, I think he's done a brilliant job. You, you have to give him a lot of credit. I think what, what people don't see, they, they just see the culmination of the weekend. You just see him over the course of three days as to him sitting on the chair and, you know, looks like he's applauding and supporting his team and having a chat. It's a phenomenally difficult job. I mean, it is exhausting. The amount of you, you are a captain not just to the players, but you're responsible for pretty much everything that goes on during the course of the week. The attention to detail, the press, the, me, the, the media, the dinners, the practices, the training, the doctor. The, I mean, absolutely everything. And Leon has committed a huge amount of time over the last three years of actually travelling on the tour week in, week out. Not as much as the players, but at significant chunks of time. So that 
He sees them when they're with their own coaches. He builds that relationship. That's what he's been able to do. And so that when he's, you know, everyone says he's made some really good decisions about the players he's picked, he's made those good decisions because he knows the players, because he knows who's in form. He knows what they're thinking. He knows where they are in their game. You know, people have good years and bad years. You know, sometimes you're, you're, you, it's very difficult to put your finger on the reasons why. But he, he knows that, and that's what enabled him to make those decisions. So it's a full commitment. He's done a great job. He's done a great job. Great Britain have done a great job. It's been fun, hasn't it, to watch this uh, this odyssey and ending up with such a triumph. Well, I, you know, it's a privilege to watch it. I'm privileged to commentate on it, to be here today to watch it. I was lucky enough to watch the Swiss play the French last year. I thought that was amazing, but <laughs> this one tops it, I think. Jeremy Bates, part of the Eurosport team. Been great to have you with us here on the Tennis Podcast. No, thank you very much, David. I really enjoyed it. So there's Jeremy Bates, the man that picked Andy Murray as a teenager against Israel in that tie. He won it in the doubles and, well, the rest is history. Here he stands now as a Davis Cup champion alongside the rest of his team. And they've just been into their press conference, Simon Briggs. We've just been in there as well. And that was a really happy-looking Andy Murray. Sometimes when he's had these monumental efforts, he sometimes looks spent physically Mm. out there, and you often don't get that much out of him, I always feel, in the press conference straight afterwards. This time, I think he's just really content, and he was quite happy to share the feelings he'd gone through with us all. Yeah, sort of a a warm glow uh, feeling rather than sort of exultant, bubbly sort of shouty screamy he doesn't really do that does he he kind of talks slowly whatever the situation you know you think he probably talks slowly if you hold him up at gunpoint you know that kind of guy low heartbeat uh, when he's not on the middle of a, of a rally so um it was it was a it was a nice and and uh, kind of uh, a lot of fellow feeling there between the team uh, and quite gentle really they, they, i think they are a little bit sort of mind-boggled he said it would take a while for it to sink in. So, the, the, although there was a little bit of spraying water on Leon Smith on the court, they were, they were quite subdued uh, in in the press conference. But obviously, in a, in a very sort of gently happy sort of way. But he did admit that that's the most emotional he's ever felt in victory. He was he talked about how he's felt emotional. Obviously, we saw him cry at Wimbledon. We saw him cry after losing to Federer at the Australian Open. But this time was his time. And he also said that it probably might be the case that nothing will ever top this for any of the players. Tennis obviously uh, is the individual sport. Um, Increasingly now, I think developmental studies suggest that if you try and teach it as a a sport with a team element, it does contribute a lot to players' development. And as as I said before, that that can be true for the world number two. I really believe it. I really believe that these guys can take an awful lot from what they've done together and, and they'll find things in themselves that they didn't even know they had even even players who are already legends so uh sudden 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 outburst of noise over there i don't know what's going on are they opening champagne or something well the players are all being interviewed at the same time here and that often leads to mirth doesn't it <laughs> um the team environment you talked about and from what he was saying there it sounds as though he wants to carry on playing davis cup he seems pretty motivated by by what's happened here and certainly has put his hand up for the march time yeah i mean there's a specific problem with next year because you've got wimbledon then uh, montreal then davis cup then olympics so if you win against japan you know there's no chance that he or any of the other real contenders for the olympics are going to play that second tie which would you know if we beat japan probably be against serbia so that's probably going to be difficult next year 
um, which is going to be a one-off situation. And after that, I imagine he'll be back on back on it pretty quickly. And he's also got to be thinking about the Olympics. And, and Jamie, you know, because they didn't do well in their previous Olympic outings together, but they've gone up a level. Jamie's really come on as a doubles player. And what they produced on the court throughout this run has got to be making them think, well, why can't we be a top, top favourite team to win medals at the Olympics in Rio? Well, that's, uh, that's some thought. A couple of final points before we sign off from the Davis Cup final here by BNP Paribas. Simon, you mentioned before, Jeremy, we heard from Jeremy that you felt that this could give him wings for 2016. Do you think we're going to see Andy Murray Grand Slam champion again next year? Well, I would say yes, apart from one thing, and that, that one thing is, is that Andy is... It's almost impossible to, to say, you know, the level that he produces. But that's also true of the bloke who keeps on beating him and the bloke who gets to every single final. So it's always hard to say he's going to win a slam when Novak Djokovic is out there. And Novak Djokovic has clearly been the better player this year and for the last two years. And he doesn't give an inch. So I've got a good feeling about 2016. I didn't, have a, have, didn't expect 2015 to go as well as it has, obviously. Nobody could have expected it to go as well as it has. But, yeah, I mean, I've got a, ni- I've got a nice hunch, but I'd never go that far in, in the era that he's working in. And a bit, a, bit, a bit of a cop-out, wasn't it? No, but I know what you're saying. It's very difficult to confidently nail colours to the mast, isn't it, ahead of time in this particular era, unless you're backing Novak Djokovic, who has obviously been so reliable over the last 12 months. Final point, in Britain we have something known as the BBC Sports Personality of the Year show. Now, it's something that Andy Murray won before in 2013 after he'd won Wimbledon. It's something he'll clearly be a contender for again. But I just wonder whether this team and this coach may be in line for their own awards at that occasion because there is a Team of the Year award and there is a Coach of the Year award. Oh yeah, well, Labrooks have already put out a press release saying they're paying out on uh, this team to be Team of the Year. They're paying out bets already. So, uh, well, their their press release has worked, hasn't it? Yeah, so uh, it's fair <laughs> enough. But uh, I think you know it's uh, it, it, it shows that it, they're 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 pretty much nailed on. Um, the the question now is is I think Andy six to one for for the big award. Uh, Lewis Hamilton may be ahead of him still. You've got a massive petrol head block vote which swings in at, the, at these moments. Uh, Lewis Hamilton would become the first man to win it back to back ever if he wins it. That's a, a non tennis stat for you. I like my spotty. What about coach of the coach of the year for Leon Smith? Yeah, contender for sure, for sure. Um, but those things aren't decided by public vote, are they? So I think there's a panel, isn't there? No, they are decided by public vote. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, I got that one wrong. So yeah, I mean, look, football is always going to be the one, the sport that people know best in the audience. So you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily put your house on him to do it. But yeah, he's got a shot, and he and he and he would wouldn't be flattered by it, would he? He he, he, he deserves everything he gets. Been a lot of fun, hasn't it? This ride. Yeah, I mean, it's just unique. Uh, and also, it's nice to have an away tie in a way, because we've <laughs> to have an away tie and win it as well, because we've had uh, this wonderful run of home ties, and probably we wouldn't necessarily have got past the French quite quite as, as, as convincingly as we did if we had to go and play against them on a clay court. Uh, so we've been lucky with that. But yeah, it's nice to come and, come and do it in Belgium. It's been a great, great crowd, great techno music booming out at every change of ends, as, as I'm sure you've, you've told the listeners, and uh, quite a unique occasion, as they always are. It really has been. It's been lovely to have you with us, Simon Briggs of The Telegraph. 
It's been lovely to have you listening to us as well. Don't forget, Andy Murray still has one more night of tennis before he hangs up the racket for 2015. He'll be at tiebreak 10s on Saturday, the 5th of December. So next Saturday, he'll be joining Kyle Edmund, his teammate. He'll be joining David Ferrer, the world number seven. Tim Henman will be there as well at the Royal Albert Hall. It's all part of Champions Tennis, but it's a new format of tennis on Saturday, the 5th of December. Tiebreak 10s is 10 tiebreak matches, super fast super competitive should be a lot of fun and it'll be interesting to see how andy murray goes in that no doubt the, the old competitive spirits will be out again and he'll be trying to beat everybody he seems to try and beat everybody no matter what he's doing even in the interviews he's trying to get the last word in we have been the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the telegraph we are supported by bnp Paribas, the bank for a changing world and we're also supported by you thank you for listening and we'll speak to you soon 